The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 5 I sat in the co-pilot's seat of one of the Nyar cube ships, my back comfortable in the form-fitting chair, my hands resting in the control slots, and my mind vibrating with a now-familiar link with the starship. That link also included Zerathra herself, who sat in the seat to my left, the main control. Both of us were clad in form-fitting pilot's jumpsuits, Hers white with a purple star upon it, mine black aside from a diagonal red strip across the chest. Around the cube a dozen four-sided drones orbited, their AI guiding them in a constant formation. In the distance to my right side, I caught a glimpse of Demania's conical yellow ship as she made her course around our perimeter. Behind me, a reverse vision view showed the world of Shivnar already shrinking, its blue lavender atmosphere making it look like a polished marble against the black ethers. Up ahead, the infinity of space stretched before me. The inner reaches of the galaxy glowed and shimmered like some cosmic disk filling up much of the view. In the immediate vicinity, the skies were cluttered with space debris and floating rocks. Further out, a neon green world shone, its two moons visible as specks in my vision. Vuldria, said the ship's database. The homeworld of the Vulda, insectoid folk who had shared Aruvis with us natives. But we weren't headed there, nor anywhere else in this system. A flash of imagery from the ship's mind showed our destination, a medium-sized jungle world at the edge of the neighboring star system. There, I was going to be trained. Thus the escort. As the six-sided transport coasted through local space, I was already doubting my decision. This was going to be the beginning of my training with the Nyar Harmonium, on the temple world of Ruse, where Z claimed I'd be taught all sorts of marvels. There, upon that planet of shrines and libraries, all of my questions would be answered. Who the Nyar really were, the true nature of this Atra stuff, along with my place in all of this. It was compelling, I couldn't deny. But at the same time, it was scary as all scrag. Something utterly new, filled with possibility, with opportunity, but also responsibility and expectations. Maybe that was the scariest part of all, being accountable to somebody other than myself. Calm down, Kef. Burge's voice was clear in my mind. I could almost see my old buddy in his sleeveless shirt and leather headband, arms folded over his muscular chest, shaking his head at me, but smiling. A surge of calm filled me, his steady and rock-like presence. All those worrisome thoughts poured out of my head. That's what I needed. A bit of calm, some steadiness, and a touch of acceptance. Thanks, Burge, I thought as I kept my eyes focused ahead. We will reach the Binadari system within five standard hours. 
Sated so the image of Demania that appeared in my mind, her mustard yellow skin and bald head clear in my view, a gentle smile on her lips. Ruse is the second planet of seven, and it will take us another 45 minutes for arrival, provided there are no difficulties. Do we expect difficulties? The Vare? I asked. No, we do not, said Zerathra in a seat next to me. The Vare have most likely retreated back to the space around Arubis and their other worlds. It is unlikely that they will seek us out, though it is a possibility. Yup, I said. Never hurts to be on your guard. We coasted through the skies of the Mandia system as the ship's mind identified it, easily navigating around asteroid fields and space debris. Within a half hour, Vuldria was growing larger in my view, its verdant surface covered in vegetation, along with the bright lights of cities. It was nearly twice as large as Erubus, and orbited by two red moons that also bore the lights of civilization. For a few minutes I marveled at the sight of the mighty planet, wondering at what curiosities might be found upon it and its twin moons. Space travel was still new to me, after all, thoughts of whole new worlds and alien cultures still filling me with a childlike glee. I sort of regretted we weren't stopping there. But I suppose my future held more than a few alien worlds. Soon, Vuldria faded into the distance, and ahead of us spread the desolate outer reaches of the Mandia system. There was something vaguely terrifying about those vast stretches of empty that lay between the worlds. As I gazed out at the blackness all around us, the stars looked as distant as ever. Ahead of us, only oblivion. Sometimes when I peeked sideways out of the view window and into that nothingness, I could imagine myself out there, in that infinite nether, forever hurtling through an endless void until my senses were seared away and my mind disintegrated. But then I had an idea. The Atra. Zerathra had told me it was everywhere. The metaphysical particle behind everything manifest. I closed my eyes and took a deep breath, switching my inner focus to Atra mode. I opened them and stared into what had been the void. That emptiness was now filled with life. Shining objects that floated and drifted. Blobs of radiant particles that almost seemed like life forms. Vibrant streams of energy coursed through the ethers from world to world. A vein-like system of currents that flowed and connected and split in so many directions, filling the supposed nothing of space with everything. It glimmered in the dark, illuminating the cosmos. A blip from the ship's mind brought me out of my musings. I shook my head, my vision returning to normal. Up ahead, the sensors were detecting something big. There. Floating silently in the black, waited the remains of a titanic metal sphere, the size of a large moon. The half facing away from the sun was cloaked in the darkest shadow. The other half looked ancient, its grooved, steely surface pockmarked with uncounted craters. In the midst of it was a gaping hole, the debris from whatever explosion had wrecked it still floating through space. An old Nyar station from when we oversaw this sector said Z. Destroyed in the wars some 15,000 of your years ago. 15,000 years. 
It was tough to even imagine how long ago that was, or picture anybody having technology of this magnitude so long ago. But what did I know of the progress of time? Did Zerothra remember that distant era? How old was she? I sensed that she had registered my thoughts, but before she could answer, I caught sight of a flash from within the sphere. A most curious thing drifted in the front view window. It was ovoid in appearance, like an egg or a seed, its surface shiny and porous at the same time. As I pondered the object, it unfolded itself, the outer layers of the seed thing unwrapping until they formed a shape like a nine-petaled flower. With a circumference nearly as wide as our cube ship, its entire surface a forest green. At the flower's center, there remained a circular core. Was this a ship of some kind? The cube's mind told me it was, but gave no name or model for it. The circular core of the flower ship began to glow a berry red, and in less than a second, all the petals too changed that same shade. Then my mind exploded with screams. There was nothing auditory or even physical about it, but rather an inner shrieking that filled my thoughts, that careened through my psyche and shattered my link to Zerathra and the ship both. I sat stunned in my chair, my eyes going wide. Everything was distorted, the air heavy, the scenery outside the window twisting and morphing in my vision. I could barely think to ask myself what was going on. All I could do was grip the armrest of my chair tightly, muscles tensing as that mental noise continued. The Veyer are here, said Zerathra, standing up from her seat beside me. Two of the four-sided orbiters moved to intercept the flower ship, but were immediately blown to bits by energy blasts from the ends of its petals. From behind, the larger ship came four U-shaped flyers, about half the size of the main ship and spinning slowly as they moved, their hulls made from a bony-looking material. The ship's mind called them Kerblat, unmanned craft that were actually alive, operating on basic animal intelligence. As the Kerblat moved to flank us, Zerathra turned towards me and touched my shoulder. The tension poured out of my muscles, the horrible mental noise receding into the background where it remained. Take control of the main ship, she said, gesturing towards her chair. Try to re-establish a connection. Make sure everything stays operational. I will be entering my fighter craft and engaging them. For once, Z actually looked concerned, her brow furled. What's going on here? I asked. There is no time for explanation. These are elite Veyer agents. They were not known to be in this system, but they are here. And if we do not respond properly to their threat, they will defeat us. With those words, she turned away and headed towards the back of the cube for her personal craft. I sat in the main pilot's chair and pushed my hands into the slots. Using the breathing methods that had become so familiar to me, I quickly re-established the connection. It was still there, the same steady rhythm of the ship's mind pulsing in my awareness. But after a few seconds, it started to sputter, becoming irregular. In the background, that horrible veyer noise still shrieked. A moment after, and I was able to correct the connection. The ship's systems spun to life around me. I was at one with the cube, feeling its bulky, six-sided frame like it was my own body. Sensors told me that Z's fighter had undocked. Its eight-sided figures spun across the view screen, dashing to meet our attackers. 
Demania was out there too, her conical ship's energy registering about 400 meters to my right. I can do this, I told myself, though I felt a reactionary panic starting to surface from deep in my stomach. My connection got shaky again, the lights inside the cube flickering as it did. Stay steady, I thought, once more going into Ven's breathing exercises. Just in time to feel the deck shaking as the cube's shields absorbed around a blast from the flower ship. I reached my awareness into the shield systems, directing more energy to them as another volley struck, this time barely causing the deck to rumble. That floral craft began to veer to my right, far nimbler than the box I was piloting. The four Kerblat were also circling the cube, occasionally shooting out bursts of energy from their middles. But with the shields on full power, it didn't seem to do much. The flower ship's center, now closer, was a single opaque circular window in black. Nobody was visible within. I could sense the pilot, could feel the stare of another conscious being there, looking out at me. A presence both fiery and vigorous, alive. Something familiar. As I stared at that black window, there was some hidden sense within me that said I knew who was behind those controls. I shut down those feelings, figuring it could be another psychic attack. I looked away and focused my attention to the cube, to the shields and the steering. Another shot from the flower ship, this one from a larger cannon just below that window. I swerved around and hit the cube on the left side, destroying one of the four-sided orbiters in the process. It had been a fraction from hitting me dead on. Whatever Scragger was piloting that thing, they definitely meant to kill me. I decided I had to kill them right back. I considered how I could do that, spreading my awareness through the cube's systems. It was definitely not a battleship, that was obvious. I sensed a single set of blasters, located on the front side just under where I was sitting. I reached out and fired them. Two thin white beams shot out from the cube's underside, aimed for the flower's middle. It drifted sideways at the last instant, causing my beams to go between two of the petals and vanish into space. Well, at least this thing can shoot. If I could just line up the shot a little closer. As I was debating my next move, I noticed that Zerothra's octahedron was now within a few meters of the huge flower thing, whose base was about twice the size of her craft. She fired a series of shots at it, bright blue plasma striking the blooming ship, whose shields flashed as they absorbed it. A half second later, Demania's curiously conical fighter appeared on scene, spewing neon orange blasts at the abominable bloom. They had about the same effect as Z's weapons. Hopefully those shields would weaken eventually. Flower ship began to turn from me, and within seconds it was spinning like a pinwheel in the sky. From each of its petals, a flurry of green energy beams fired. Near a hundred blasts hurled at Zerathra's octahedron. A bit faster, Demania's ship had already zipped well out of range. Z dodged and swerved around a hailstorm of plasma. She avoided the greater part of the blaster storm, spinning her ship towards the cube. Several shots struck the side of her craft, however, and as she spun towards me, I saw it wobbling unsteadily. I would have been more concerned for her, but I had my own issues to deal with. The four Kerblat were awfully close, circling the ship like some primitive predators, reminding me of the minute bacteria I'd once seen under a microscope in the old lab. I took a shot at one of them, which missed. 
Scrag, this thing was clunky. The horseshoe-looking bastards closed in on me. I tried reaching out to the orbiters. We're mostly just floating there like idiots. Having seen how Zerathra did it, I tried expanding my consciousness out towards them. But nothing seemed to happen. Come on, protect me! I sent the mental command out. Most of the little tetras responded, floating forward to meet the U-shaped offenders. Though I couldn't directly control them, I kept steady on the cube's interface as I observed a miniature battle, the nine orbiters rushing at the four Kerblat, blaster fire all around me. In the background beyond, Z and Demania were in a deadly dance with the Doom Flower, whose color had shifted to orange. As I sat back in the chair and waited for an opening to shoot at one of the enemy, I noticed a disturbing blip from the sensors. More ships nearby. Less than 10 kilometers away. At least 10 of them. No, 20. Approaching from several sides. The cube sent images to my mind. Visuals of more Kerblat, Vigle, and a few bigger Vare vessels. Ah, uh, they got some friends coming in. A broadcast to the two ladies over our mental network. Lots and lots of friends. Both of my allies were still engaged with the fiendish bloom. One of its huge petal wings had gone limp. The others were still blasting away at the girls, who were busy dodging a virtual rain of laser fire. Meanwhile, the Kerblat had ceased firing at both the cube and orbiters. They stopped in place, surrounding the cube on all sides. Their centers were glowing with a crackling green energy, and something like a grid of lightning was moving between the four, forming an electrical net. Uh-oh, were they trying to trap me? The Tetras, now eight in number, were doing a piss-poor job at taking down the enemy, splitting up their efforts between the four barely damaged Kerblat. As I scanned the cube from back to front, I saw that the green lightning grid was rapidly growing, forming a circle around me. The Kerblat just behind me, however, probably had the most tetras around it. Three orbiters that kept swarming in front of it and periodically blasting at it with their weak guns. I leaned back in the chair and closed my eyes. One more try at this. I knew I didn't have enough practice to fully control the tetras like Z did, but I had to attempt something. Breathing deeply, I sunk my awareness into the cube's computer mind, then imagined it flowing outward towards the orbiters in the back. I pictured the Atra flowing along with it, guided by the force of my consciousness. For an instant, I sensed a link to their simple systems. I didn't bother connecting to them fully. Instead, I pushed my awareness straight into them, willing them to fly forward. I opened my eyes to the three Tetras colliding with the Kerblat with a crash and an explosion. As the debris careened into space, the electrical net collapsed and dissolved. The three remaining Kerblat drifted backwards, still shaking from the energy release. I loosed a sigh of relief, but this wasn't over yet. The sensors registered that the Vare multitude was getting closer. Already I could see them with my own two eyes, as black silhouettes blocking out the nearby stars. In moments they would be upon us. I looked to the monstrous flower ship, beautiful as it flapped its huge petals. The Manya's cone was still out there, backing away as she drew the fire of that floral nightmare. I didn't see Z's blue octa anywhere. What had happened to her? There was a sudden jolt in the back of the cube. Zerathra's fighter had redocked. 
A circular door opened and closed again as she stumbled inside, looking tired and disheveled. She moved to the open chair and sat down. Outside, Demania's radiant yellow top spun as it danced about the flower, which would periodically shower masses of plasma down from its petal guns. Some of the blasts hit her conical craft, but as it continued to spin ever faster, Demania's ship began to glow brighter, absorbing the plasma striking its surface. The three remaining Kerblat drew closer to their master ship, maneuvering between Demania and any potential escape. Still, she continued to dodge and to swerve, the spinning core radiating more and more light as it danced in space. What shall we do? I called to Zarathra, who sat with her hands pressed deep into the command grooves. She was silent. Outside, a horde of Vigle, Kerblat, and several titanic, squid-like transports were amassing. Leave. Go. Communicated the thoughts of Demania through the mental connection. No way, I returned. You can't solo that buttload of Vayr. Suicide. All I received back from Demania was an emotion of calm determination. She has this handled. We must depart, said Z. I could feel Zerathra directing the cube's engines now, steering it away from the scene. As the four Vayr ships surrounded her, Demania's cone stopped spinning. It hovered there in space, still radiating out that light. In a rapid burst, it erupted from the cone, rays of white-hot energy pouring outward until I was momentarily blinded by the explosion. The last thing I saw before we turned around fully was the Vare craft being hurled across the skies. Then we were once again moving at high speed, the ancient wrecked sphere vanishing into the dark behind us, the Vare craft and Demania both disappearing with it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.